All right, guys, we're back for the second part of episode 45 of the Touch Em Up podcast. I'm your host, Double M, and this part, second part of the episode is going to be based, mostly based on professional wrestling this week, both All Elite Wrestling and NXT. I didn't watch all of the All Elite Wrestling show this weekend, AEW Dynamite. I've been a little behind in terms of their shows. I've recorded them every week, and I've watched them, but you know I haven't fully tuned in. I did finish the episode, though, and to be honest, I thought AEW had a really good show this week. You know, they had the match between, uh, who was it? There was the best friends, Chuck and Trent, versus the Young Bucks, which was an amazing match. I thought they did very well. I thought everything in that match went off as expected. There was the main event between Pac and Moxley. I thought that was a really good match, too, and it ending in a time limit draw, You know, I don't like matches that end in draws. However, that was probably the right call in terms of booking between Mox and uh, Pac because they can both be world champions in the organization. I feel like Pac has more of an upside than Moxley does because he just has that, you know, gritty, mean look to him. He's an amazing high flyer. He can work well on the ground or in the in-ring base as well. But Moxley has such a big name based on him being Dean Ambrose in WWE with the Shield, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins for so long, that for the company, Moxley being the champion is probably the best way to go. That's that's mostly the reason why they put the title on Jericho as the first AEW champion and not Hangman Page. Chris Jericho is going to bring in eyes. He's going to bring in those old fans of the Attitude Era. He's going to bring in fans of WWE who maybe want something different. They want a new new flavor of Kool-Aid but from the same old strawberry that WWE always gives us. So they bring in a guy from WWE to uh, carry the brand and expose new stars. That's part of the reason that the inner circle was created. We've got, we've got um, who who's in the inner circle. We've got Santana and Ortiz. We've got Chris Jericho. We've got Sammy Guevara and now Jake Hager, formerly Jack Swagger. So, the, the group is great for AEW. It's going to build up that, that solid heel faction and get that cheap heel heat all the time. The brawl this week between Cody, Diamond Dallas Page, uh, hang, was it Hangman Page, DDP, Cody, and Dustin Rhodes versus the Inner Circle, I think. I mean, unless I, – I, I think I'm missing. I don't think um, – What's his name? Oh, it's skipping my head right now. I don't think Hangman Page was in that brawl, but either way, that brawl was great where they went up into the skybox and attacked Jericho in the inner circle and then had a little brawl in the backstage. I love backstage brawls and segments like that. They used that kind of thing between uh, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, or I'm sorry, between Moxley and Kenny Omega where he, he did that Impaler DDT through the glass table, and that was great. And I love that kind of stuff, and that's where AEW is getting it right, and they're they're using this to catapult newer stars into the stratosphere of professional wrestling, which is what's good for AEW. It's way different from WWE. It's not really the same at all. They they have more of a WCW feel to me. Not to say that they're like WCW, but the feel of the product and the look and everything like that gives me WCW vibes. It's great. I love AEW. I love what they're doing. I love WWE. I'm a diehard WWE fan, but I always want 
the new thing to succeed. I want them to succeed. I, I think them succeeding will push WWE to bigger heights. And I think it's done so, done that with how good NXT has been as of late. And you're going to say, well, NXT is always great. It's the number one show at WWE. How do you think AEW did this? Well, come on, guys. I mean, yes, it's always been good. NXT has always been good since like the newer era of NXT from 2013 on. I think it's been amazing. But AEW is pushing them to, to bring out the best, and they did that on this week's episode of NXT. But aside from that on AEW, we had a match with Kenny Omega and Joey Janela, which was a great match. Again, they had another fantastic match. It was a match on AEW Dark, and now it was a match that was shown on regular TV. That was a great match. You had the finals of the tournament, the tag tournament between SCU and private, was it SCU versus private party? And then the Lucha Bros versus the dark. No, you know what? It was SCU versus um, the dark. What is the name of the freaking group? I can't think of it. The dark arts or let me see. I want to look this up really quick. Sorry guys. I can't think of the name. The Dark Fate or Dark Fate? Let me see. Not Dark Fate. Dude, I don't know what I'm saying really quick. Hold on. I just want to check this really quick. I know exactly who they are. I just can't think of the name. Uh, hold on. Sorry for the lack of... <laughs> Lack of results I have pulled up right now. Okay, yeah, so it was, yeah, Private Party versus the Lucha Bros, which was a very good match. I thought that was probably the, the best match on the show, and, you know, Lucha Bros won. I think that was the right call. Private Party advancing in the tournament beating the Young Bucks was great for Private Party, and they are so good as a tag team. Isaiah Cassidy and his other teammate, which I can't think of his name, guys. I'm sorry. I haven't watched AEW religiously every week. I've seen it and I've watched highlights, but Private Party versus the Lucha Bros of Ray Phoenix and Pentagon, amazing. Really good match. What else did we have on there? Okay, yeah, so SCU versus the Dark Order, not Dark Fate. This was very good. I thought that Dark Fate, or the Dark Order, I said Dark Fate again, like the freaking Terminator movie. <laughs> Dark Order had a great match here as well. And SCU, I love Scorpio Sky in the team. I think he brought something different to the team than Daniels does. I know Kaz and Daniels have teamed forever in TNA and other promotions around the world, but I think Scorpio Sky really brought a different a different feel to the team in this match, and I think they gelled very well together. I thought this was better than the uh, Private Party and Lucha Bros match. And it was it was great. Both these matches were amazing. Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela, like I said, very very good match. Physical, just ba battling bell to bell. He Kenny Omega hit Joey Janela with so many V triggers. I thought he there was a point where he hit him with one against the ropes, and he like it was almost like the soul of Joey Janela left his body. And then the Young Bucks versus the Best Friends. Amazing, amazing match. I love Chuck and Trent as a tag team. The Young Bucks, one of the best teams in the world. I don't believe they are the best tag team, but they're definitely up there. And this match was great as well. There was a lot of tag team action on this show, but it was able to really, you know, bring all these teams into the light and show how stacked the AEW tag team division is and not focus so much on the singles aspect. But they did with the main event between Pac and 
and Moxley, which are two of your biggest single stars in the company. So putting them at the end of the show, it was a good mix of tag team tag team wrestling, women's wrestling with Britt, ba- with Britt Baker versus Jamie Hayter, and then two of the top stars in your singles division but with uh, Moxley and Pac going to a draw. It doesn't hurt either of them because nobody lost, and it can carry on into bigger storylines. I could see a match. Obviously, Cody will be facing Jericho for the belt. I kind of think Cody's probably going to take the title. No, you know what? Scratch that. I think Jericho will retain here because I don't think Cody wants to be the champion for AEW. Obviously, he probably wants the title, but I remember him saying he would only wrestle for so long and then he would fade off into the background and be more of the executive, you know, booker type for the show. But John Moxley and Pac, either of them could beat Jericho for the title, and I definitely see that going in that direction later on down the line. But AEW, again, great show this weekend, but I, this week, but I definitely think NXT beat them with the monster shock in the main event and just great matches all the way around. Let's pull that up. I remember the NXT one way better because I watched it live and it kept my attention the whole way through. Let's see. So the first match on NXT this week was um, Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. This was an amazing match to open up the show. Obviously, Bianca Belair has been one of the top divas, top women's wrestlers in the on the NXT brand since her since she was brought up in the brand. You know, she was undefeated for very long until losing to Shayna Baszler and then lost to her a few more times. But she's always been at the towards the top of that division in NXT. And Rhea Ripley has come onto the scene. She was the top dog in. NXT UK in the women's division. I love Rhea Ripley. Her character, her in-ring work, her style, everything just works well together. She really is like my tip of my type of diva, just a badass woman who will just go out there and rip your face off and put you in put you in the dirt if she needs to. And this match was great. They both they both were back and forth. A lot of hard hitting, a lot of hard hitting moves from Rhea Ripley. Bianca Belair again. And uh, it was just a back-and-forth match. It went on for really long. And the end came when Rhea Ripley reversed one of a one of the roundhouse kicks of Bianca Belair into the riptide and got the 1-2-3. I believe Rhea Ripley will be the next NXT Women's Champion after she defeats Shayna Baszler. I think the Baszler run was good for a little while, but the fact that they took the belt off of her, put it on Kyrie Sane, then put it back on Shayna Baszler, I feel like Kyrie Sane should have had a much bigger run with that women's championship. You've obviously seen what her and Asuka can do as a tag team. Those two are meant to be single stars, but them as a tag team is okay for now. But I feel like letting Kyrie Sane have that NXT Women's Championship for a longer run and put on great matches like we know she can do would have been a way better decision than to keep the belt on Shayna. I like Shayna as a character. I think she's done well for NXT in the women's division, especially with her, you know, her mic skills and being able to put on good promos and good in good in-ring work. But I feel like her talking and her promos are what have built her more than her actual matches. And I think that's why they've decided to keep the title on her. But I believe they've kept it on her for way too long. And I think they could definitely benefit from putting it on another woman in that NXT women's division. Candice LeRae could have been a good option, but I feel like they're kind of giving her the John, the Johnny Gargano thing where she'll fight for the title a few times, she'll lose, and then she'll finally win the title, and it'll be this whole big hurrah, and, you know, it's stuff like that. 
But Rhea Ripley is going to beat Shayna Baszler for the title. I think I think that's the way to go. I think Rhea Ripley can be the face of the NXT Women's Division and carry it for a long time. She's great in the ring. She's good on the mic. She's just got that badass look to her, just that dark metal in your face, kind of like the a Pete Dunne of the women's division. I, I, I get that kind of feel from her, and I love Rhea Ripley as a character. Aside from that, we had Matt Riddle versus Cameron Grimes, and this was, I believe this was probably Matt Riddle's best match in NXT. I know the Adam Cole match was fantastic. The Adam Cole match and this Cameron Grimes match was our neck and neck in terms of which was the better match because they just went balls to the wall uh, Cameron Grimes went for the stomp right away. Matt Riddle did that somersault and rolled out of it. Riddle hit Grimes with vicious knees, a jackhammer. He hit him with a jackhammer, which was better than Goldberg's jackhammer, and he gave a little wink to the camera. Obviously, Riddle and Goldberg have not been shy of sharing their words with each other. That was great to see, and um, just this match was fantastic. Back and forth action, nonstop, counter for counter, vicious knees, from Matt Riddle, Cameron Grimes reversed it, landed a bunch of moves as of his own. What else happened? Uh, a floating Broton was caught um, with knees by the pro by uh, Cameron Grimes. Um, he landed the final flash. Matt Riddle did. He landed the uh, the what did he do? The Bro Derek and got the pin. The Bro Derek submission move where he or uh, the Bro Derek finisher where it's like a tombstone, but he locks it down into like a grip for I don't know what move it would be used for, but he like almost package pile drives in the tombstone. Not the same, but you get my, you catch my drift if you're a wrestling fan. This was amazing. Like I said, back and forth. Go out of your way if you haven't watched this week's NXT yet. There's so much on it. It was the best episode on USA by far, and it just got better from here. With the Angel Garza and Jack Gallagher, they had a good match. This was probably the uh, weakest match on the card. Oh, no, here we go. Breeze Angle and Isaiah Swerve Scott versus the Forgotten Sons. This was great, and it was really just an uh, a coming out party for Isaiah Swerve Scott. That guy is so good. He does moves that not many people have seen. He does uh, this thing where he'll run up against the ropes and twist off the top and middle rope in the ring and do like a twisting somersault, um, moonsault. He does, you know, flashy kicks, jumping sidekicks, and, you know, double switch sidekicks to the face. And this match was great, and Isaiah Swerve Scott ended up getting the win for their team. Angel Garza beat Jack Gallagher. This match was good. It was quick. Um, he did the his springboard moonsault and got the victory. Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox beat Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke via pinfall to become the number one contenders to the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. I didn't really pay attention to this match. I'm going to be 100% honest. I'm not a big fan of Shafir and Jessamyn Duke. I don't believe they're that good. I know they're with Ronda Rousey and like the whole four horsewomen type of thing with Shayna Baszler, but they've just never really caught my attention. I know Jessamyn Duke from when she fought in the UFC and her MMA career. And same with Shayna Baszler. They weren't that good in mixed martial arts. Their records kind of show that. I'm not saying they were terrible, but they were not that good. But Shayna Baszler has learned to portray like the badassery a little bit better than Duke and Shafir have on in the professional wrestling world. Then the North American Championship match, the triple threat between Roderick Strong, the champion, defending against Keith Lee and Dominic Jajakovic. This was such a good match. 
back and forth, bell to bell. The best match on the show, I think. I know I said that a lot. I've said best match for Cameron Grimes and Matt Riddle and everything else, but this was literally a stacked episode of NXT. The two hours flew by. Everything was fantastic. Um, they took out strong early and then it was really just a stare down between Dijakovic and Keith, Keith Lee because of the matches that they've had and, uh, how their matches, you know, never really ended with a winner. It was back and forth. We never got a winner. They did the same in this match back and forth. Keith Lee landing vicious moves on with like a twisting senton over the top rope. Uh, to like a, what do they call that move? You know what I'm talking about where they jump over the rope and spin as they pull off the top rope. But um, there was just a lot going on. Dijakovic suplexed Lee onto Strong, but got a two and a half, two point five, like a just just close to a three count, and that was a vicious, you know, spot. I'm surprised Strong took that with just getting slammed with all that weight of Keith Lee on you. And then they had a match where they or a spot where they did the Tower of Doom, where I believe Keith Lee was on the bottom, or who was in the. Let's see. Dijakovic. Okay, so Lee hit the Tower of Doom powerbomb with Dijakovic and Strong. Um, but the problem was Dijakovic couldn't pick Strong up that well in the uh, suplex. So he kind of fell forward and then everything just kind of crashed and Keith Lee could have fallen out of the ring and smacked his head on the floor and just knocked himself out, but he was able to catch his feet on the ropes and save himself. All three men could have got seriously injured and hurt their necks or possibly even broken a neck. But, you know, they had a back-and-forth match. It looked like Keith Lee was going to get the victory or Dijakovic was going to get the win with, like, the twisting boot, the spinning discus boot that he lands, kind of like what Luke Harper used to do. But then Strong was able to sneak in and landed a flying knee, in a like a sidekick to the face of Keith Lee and pinned him. It was like a running knee, and then he pinned him, and Dijakovic was left not pinned. I feel like this is going to set up Dijakovic versus Strong down the line, but at as as it goes for war games, I feel like we're going to get something different, and I'll explain that when we get to the final me the final segment of the show with Di, uh, the undisputed era. With Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa, obviously Cole and Finn Balor were meeting in the ring to have their, like, well, it started with Ciampa and Cole in the Undisputed Era meeting in the center of the ring and having a stare down, and then Gargano's music hit and he came out, and then Finn Balor's music hit and he came out, and it was Balor, Gargano, and Ciampa facing off against Strong, Fish, O'Reilly, and Cole. And they were both staring each other down. Everybody was looking. Finn Balor stepped forward as if he was going to confront Cole. And then, boom, landed a Pele kick on Johnny Gargano, wiping him out. And then the Undisputed Era went on the attack and beat the absolute snot out of Gargano and Champa. This was the heel turn that Finn Balor needed. This is going to bring out that Prince Devitt character that everybody loved in New Japan and what really put Finn Balor on the map. His Prince Devitt character in New Japan and his heel work in New Japan was the best work Finn Balor has ever done, and he did well in WWE as a face, but with him being a heel and possibly joining the Undisputed Era, I say possibly because we're not 100% sure he's in, I believe he's in the Undisputed Era. I think they're just going to drag it out a little bit more past war games and then 
you know, we'll get the full joining of Finn Balor being the leader of Cole Fish and O'Reilly. And I could end up seeing that down the line leading to a match between Cole and Finn to determine who was the true leader of the Undisputed Era and possibly Finn regaining the NXT Championship. But this was amazing the way they pulled it off. Nobody expected Finn Balor to come back and turn heel right out of the gate. Him joining Undisputed Era elevates his status as well as the Undisputed Era's status. We finally get to see Balor work as a heel in WWE. We never really see it, even though his demon character is like his heel side versus the normal face character we see from him all the time. Him as a full-on heel bringing out the real rock and roll of Prince Devitt. And you saw him do that where he did the two guns to Johnny Gargano on the on the entranceway after he landed a vicious running shotgun drop kick to Gargano into the, into the guardrail and knocking over the fans. He hit him so hard it knocked over the guardrail and the fans. And then Gargano or uh, Champa was taken out by Coldfish, Strong, and O'Reilly. This was great. I cannot wait to see where this goes. If I had to guess what we're going to get at War Games, I'd say Balor, Fish, O'Reilly, and Cole. I think uh, Roderick Strong might be in a match for the North American Championship. If not, and it's a five-on-five War Games, it would probably be Cole, Fish, O'Reilly, Balor, and Strong versus Champa, Gargano, Dijakovic, Dominic Dijakovic, Keith Lee, and possibly either Velveteen Dream or Pete Dunne, depending on what they do. If they do take out um, Roger Strong and have him face a guy like Keith Lee for the North American Championship, I could see Cole, Fish, O'Reilly, and Balor versus Champa, Gargano, Dream, and possibly Keith Lee or, or Pete Dunne. I would love to see Pete Dunne in the match. Um, definitely in a War Games match. He's already been in one. You know how good he is in the ring, and I think that would definitely be be great for them. Uh, but I can't wait for War Games. It's going to be amazing. This episode of NXT, like I said, was balls to the wall. They went all out. It was a fantastic episode, probably the best episode we've seen. But, yeah, this was great. And uh, tonight we've got Friday Night SmackDown. It's going on right now. I don't know what's happening. I'll be catching up with it as I finish this podcast. But, guys, this was just an amazing episode and go out of your way. This week, professional wrestling really kicked it up a notch. Monday Night Raw, not so much, but AEW Dynamite and NXT was great. Can't wait for War Games. Can't wait to see what AEW does in the future. And yeah, that's going to be it for this part of the episode. Obviously, if you like the Touch Em Up podcast, keep coming back and listening to more episodes. Catch up on episodes you've possibly missed. If you're an MMA fan, you can listen to the first part of episode 45, which covered... um, Jorge Masvidal, Nate Diaz, a big ba- a big ba- bout being added to UFC 245 in addition to another stellar bout in the bantamweight division. And if you want, if you're ready for Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz to take place at UFC 244, definitely give a listen to my Double Trouble Breakdown episode where I broke down Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. I believe it was Double Trouble Breakdown number five. Uh, go back into my podcast and give that a listen before the main event so you can know what tendencies. Masvidal will be looking to exploit and what Nate Diaz can do to beat Gamebred. Can't wait for you guys to listen to it. Like I said, support the podcast. If you'd like to donate, you're more than welcome. If not, it's okay. Just get my name out there. Post my post touch them up on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, anything you've got, Facebook, send it to your mom, dad, boyfriend, girlfriend, brother, sister, niece, nephew, friends, friends of friends, 
Send it to everybody you have. If you have MMA fans, professional wrestling fans, if you know any professional wrestlers or professional mixed martial artists, get this out to them. Or if you know anyone who trains mixed martial arts or is wanting to become a professional wrestler who likes professional wrestling, get this out to them as well. You can find me on Instagram. Just search Touch Em Up on Instagram, T-O-U-C-H-E-M-U-P. And yeah, guys, that's going to be it. I'm your host, Double M, and I'm out. Have a good night, everybody. All right?